Please take your Bibles and join me this morning in going to God's Word. New Testament book of Hebrews will be our study, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. Please follow along as I read Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would have to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going will you pray with me this morning dear lord god as we pray this morning and as we listen to your word we need you to show us again and build upon again what we know of faith. Lord, we pray that you would correct any errors in our thinking about what faith is and replace them with truth, the way you want us to think about faith and what you reward and what pleases you from faithful people. Help us in this endeavor, Lord, for our flesh gets in the way. So we pray for the Holy Spirit's power to quell the flesh and even draw in those who are not yet filled with your Spirit so that they would believe today, be filled with your Spirit, and act in faith and believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. Do this, Lord, we ask, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. The book of Hebrews has been building to chapter 11, building and urging, focusing and refocusing the Hebrews, Hebrews who are already of faith, but to bring them to the point where they even from their own history, from the word of God and from those who are their fathers, their fathers who've gone before them, that they would learn from them and their lives what true faith really is. What a faith that pleases God is. For he said very clearly in verse 6 of chapter 11, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So pleasing God is then paramount. Faith is paramount in pleasing God. He doesn't say there's anything else that is necessary, but he does say without faith it's impossible. It is a mountain that cannot be climbed. It is a chasm that cannot be crossed. Impossible. But by faith, yes. So faith that pleases God now today is faith that trusts God. I have no intention of finishing Abraham today. That's why I just read one verse, lest you think I was going to go farther. One verse. Here it is. 
from Father Abraham. You know, we call him Father Abraham, don't we? Not just because there's little Sunday school songs that you sing about Father Abraham having many sons. You know the one. The one when you first learn it, it's so wonderful. But when you hit your teen years, you can't wait to never do it again. Father. You know, even in our nation, we have fathers. The father of the United States of America, the father of this nation is who? Two of you still know. George Washington. George Washington is the father of this country, of this nation. He earned it. He was in the first generation American citizens of a new country born. And we honor him as such and should do so. But he pales into insignificance in the face of this father that we study today, Father Abraham, the father of faith. Certainly he's the father of Israel, but he is also the father of faith. It is from him we learn to trust God and obey God by faith. Abraham is a very important figure in the history and in the text of all of Scripture. Abraham's dealings with God are, are signal events throughout this Scripture. It is from Abraham, our father, that we learn an example of faith and of justification. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So justification and faith are tied, just as faith and pleasing God are tied without which one may neither please God nor be justified by him, which means counted guiltless, legally. Abraham in the text of Scripture. Do you realize the Bible begins with Abram? Not Abraham, with Abram. And 54 times we find Abram mentioned in the early portion of Genesis. In the entire book of Genesis, we find Abraham, now renamed by God because he will be the father of Israel, we find him mentioned 121 times in 109 verses in the book of Genesis alone. Genesis 19 speaks this way of Abraham and God's relationship in verse 29 it says, God remembered Abraham. That may seem insignificant to you. And if it does, go back and read the entire context leading up to when God says, God remembered Abraham. And you'll be getting somewhere. Also in the relationship of Abraham and God we find this in Genesis 28, verse 13, where it says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of, listen, Abraham your father. 
So significant is this man that God then identifies himself as being the God of Abraham, and that's the title he uses to tell people who he is. By the way, it's still appropriate when people ask you who your God is, you may say, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the God I believe in. And God marks him out as a significant character, not just in the book of Genesis, but in the entire Bible. In the entire Bible, Abraham is mentioned 232 times. 232 times found in 217 verses, some of which sound like this. Isaiah the prophet. But you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. If God was going to introduce you to people, how would it be that he would identify you in your relationship? God chose this word to use in identifying Abraham. He identified him as my friend. And I think that's going to help us understand faith and trust. Abraham trusts God. Do you have a friend? I mean, not just a bunch of friends. I mean, do you have a good friend? Do you have a really, really good friend? Someone you really know. And someone you really know and have known a long time are you confident that you can put things into their care? If you can't, they're not a good friend because you don't trust them. But a really good friend, you can trust them with anything. You know them. You trust them. And that is where we need to get with God. Many of us do not trust God as we should, which means we don't count him a friend. We haven't even sought him as a friend. Perhaps for you, he's still distant and far off. Someone who would never want to be your friend. You know, like back in high school, you know, the ones that were the elites. And then there was, you know, the rest of us. And you were too afraid to even talk to them because you wouldn't be accepted. Now, maybe you were the elites then and you're just going to have to think higher. I can't help you there. I was with the dweebs. <laughs> a friend. Abraham is talked of in this way, even in the New Testament as we travel there, Jesus says of Abraham these words in Matthew 8 verse 11, and I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down, listen, with Abraham. They'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where? In the kingdom of heaven. And that doesn't necessarily mean the kingdom that's only in heaven. It means the kingdom that is of heaven. This is where it is born. This is where it is made. This is where the throne of God is. But it doesn't limit it not to be in earth. Read the rest of that 
and you'll figure it out. Moving on to the epistles of the apostle Paul, we find Abraham mentioned many times, particularly in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 6, we read, Just as Abraham, listen, believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those, here it is, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You want to be a son of Abraham and call him Father Abraham? Then you have to be one who follows in faith like this friend of God, who trusts his God. And Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, here we are, fellow Gentiles, preached the gospel to whom? To Abraham. Beforehand saying, listen, here it is, a direct quote from Genesis chapter 12. In you, Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. So if any nation wants to be blessed, if any people group wants the blessing of God, it comes through the gospel preached to Abraham and the example he gave of faith. So then those who are of faith, Galatians goes on, are blessed with believing Abraham. One more from Galatians, skipping down in chapter 3, now to verse 29 says, if you are Christ's, don't we evangelicals call ourselves of Christ? Christians? And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's familial. Father Abraham, an heir of what he is, Heir too. So this morning, we're going to look at the life of Abraham, just this first verse, and there's four more to come. And we're going to start with one proof, but there's four more that follow. So we're going to see five proofs of trust. Five proofs of trust so that we will be able to prove, particularly to ourselves, that we truly trust God as a people or as a person of faith. Abraham trusted God. Abraham obeyed God. Abraham's the father of faith. He had a faith that pleases God, and a faith that pleases God must trust God. And that trust is then proven, first, by obedience. Trust in God is proven by obedience, listen, to the call of God. To the call of God. Look at our text here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. I wish there was some really fancy Greek that I had to pull out here and show you the grammar and all those things. And you'd say, oh, wow. That's deep. But the simplicity of this is its depth. We all know exactly what this means. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. That's what he did. Let's see him doing that as we turn in our Bibles all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where we find Abraham and Abraham's life being interrupted by God and God's call upon him. Genesis chapter 12, let's look at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, you'll notice his name has not been changed yet. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out. <laughs> get out of your country. I wanted to do get out twice so you got the, the import of this imperative. You have a country, get out. This is from God. Not only that, get out of your country, get out from your kindred. So everybody you know, the family. Anybody know how strong family ties are? Raise your hand. Blood is thicker than what? Than water. Why do we say that? Because it is. We tend to be tight with our families. Even sometimes when we shouldn't be, but there you go. From your kindred, from your father's house. So now even your near family. No more country. No more kindred. No more father's house. Get out. To a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75. Time to move. Time to change locales. Get out. Faith that pleases God trusts God by obedience to the call of God. That's trust. Leave everyone you know. Leave the place you know. Because obeyed means this. It means to listen. It doesn't mean to listen like Charlie Brown listened to his teacher. When she spoke, it all came to his ears like, wah, 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 wah. No, it was to listen with understanding, uh, with some action to follow, because obeyed here also means to submit a favorite word of many and even perhaps all. May I say I might have overemphasized that in a facetious sort of way. Submit. To yield. It means to surrender with the idea of this, that when God calls, you surrender your will to His. Because as soon as God said, get out of your country, some niggling thing in my head says that he probably maybe might have said, 
but I like it here. Has anybody had to go through a move, husband or wife, with a change of location, and come home to tell the good news? I got a great job, lots more money, but guess what? We've got to move somewhere different. But I like it here. But the kids are in school here, and, the, and the, they're in high school, and all their friends, and, and all of our relations, our families here. To submit. Abraham obeyed the summons of the Lord, we can say, when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He surrendered his will. He had his inclinations, I am sure. He had his preferences, I am sure. But he had to lay them aside to trust God and to adopt the preferences of God in his life and for his life that were not generated from himself. As far as I can tell, Abram's going along just fine. All we get is a genealogy, really, and then kapow, get out. To a land I'm going to show you. Notice he didn't say where he was going. I'm going to show you, get out. So no map was provided, no Google coordinates from the satellite to guide him. Get out, I'll show you. How much do you trust God? See, your level of trust is articulated by how quickly you respond to God and his commandments in obedience. Verse 4 is profound in Genesis chapter 12 because it says these words, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Why Abraham, 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 all through the many texts of Scripture, Abraham here, Abraham there, because Abraham got out of there when he was commanded to go. He was called... In the Hebrew, there's a, a present participle, or excuse me, in the Greek, it's a present participle, Fulfilled in the Hebrew. And a present participle means when he was called, basically, he started packing that day. Basically, we could retranslate it. He was called. We could retranslate it this way. When he was being called, or as soon as he heard and understood God, he started packing to leave. You know, poor Sarah doesn't even come into it here, does it? Does she? You know, at some point, I wonder, you know, what he said. Uh, honey, Sarah, come here a minute, would you? Um, amazing thing happened to me today. God talked to me and said, get out. Get out of your country. 
Leave your kindred. Leave your family. And so, we're going. Honey, Sarah, aren't you going to say something? Hmm. Sometimes we forget they're real people, don't we? We don't know if she wanted to go with him or not. What we do know is he went. Trust. Trust. Christian, we have to learn to trust our God. We have to learn to trust our master. We have to learn to trust Jesus. Wasn't it Jesus that said to his disciples, no longer call you servants, now I'll call you my friends? In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks this question, and it, it puzzles him. There's so many around him that are going in the train of the entourage as he does miracles and preaches messages, and he's the popular guy of the moment, the flavor of the day. And he says this, he says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? In essence, why do you call me Master, Master, and not do the things which I say? Isn't that a good question? Have you ever asked yourself that, that question? I know the commands of God. I know this one particular command of God, but I don't do it. I don't do it. You know, even the simplicity of gathering ourselves together as God has commanded seems to be difficult for modern Christians in the United States of America today. A priority. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are wont to do. We just studied it in Hebrews chapter 10. And yet we say, well, I get cheaper airfares on Sunday. I like, I like going places on Sunday because nobody else is traveling. Well, you know, how important is it? I mean, and that's the easy one. You believe showing up at church is the easy command, right? It's easy. This is not torture. Oh, yeah, Pastor. <laughs> You're the one talking. We like shoot for 40 minutes just once. Huh? But think of the difference. What you're getting, what we're doing, why we're here, why a potluck? Why spend time getting together with the other Christians? It's time to do something else. We're off church now. We listened. We're out of here. Right? I'm not even into the hard commandments yet. But Jesus says, why do you not do the things that I say? He goes on to say, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, listen, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So, okay, here it is. Obedience foundation a foundation you can trust disobedience failure to listen here it is verse 49 but he who heard and did nothing 
is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. See, it's all about trust. Who do you trust? What are you building on? Are you building on obedience? In 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul takes up the beat, and he says in chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And now listen. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord, i.e. Master of me, except by the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual thing. It is a trust thing. God helps in it in that way. But without Lord, there's no Lordship. There's no trust and there's no leadership. Paul, again, in the book of Philippians, speaks to that church there, in Asia Minor, and says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. Wouldn't that be something? Have that said about us as a church? Paul writing to us, Therefore, First Baptist Church, Lewistown, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then notice the other side, and not without help, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to what? Do for his good pleasure. Abram, get out. It's my good pleasure. And Abram got out. Abram obeyed. You know, sometimes it's important when we talk about obedience and the blessings thereof that we also go and show what disobedience earns. And we have a few of these things. A few texts that show us that failure to trust God, failure to obey, Disobedience or distrust, if you will, puts one under a sentence of judgment. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The just shall live by faith, but without it, it's this. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, speaking of these days of the Lord that are coming, where God is going to judge. He says, A reason for some of these who are here to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus, listen, is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those, listen, on those who do not know God and, listen, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is not just good news that we proclaim. The gospel is also an act of force upon their will. We must tell people you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You must believe now. 
Today is the day of the Lord. Don't let it go a moment longer. You are in jeopardy. You are in peril of dying in your sin and being judged for eternity. Turn to the Lord now and be saved. Jesus took your place. He paid the price on the cross. Believe in him. Trust in him and you will not suffer the wrath of God. How can they obey? Unless there is a church filled with people somewhere who are brave enough to confront them and say, you must. Because these will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. They will miss God forever. They will not know him. They will not have his companionship. They will not be near unto him. They will be separated from him. It seems like such an easy choice, doesn't it? It seems trust and obey, God will bless you. Doubt him and disobey, and God will curse you. Hmm, that's hard. I guess I'll be cursed. But yet in sin, many do. The reason Hebrews was written and we remind ourselves of these truths is to call the Hebrews Abraham's people, right? Israel, away from making foolish decisions like they had in the past. When they failed to trust God, by the way, God's promise to Abraham that he was going to give him the promised land and they wouldn't go in. God said, go take the land, I'm with you. But the ten cowardly spies came back and said, we can't do it, they're too big. You remember? That's lack of trust. That's lack of faith. We have to put the two together, lest we think we can say I'm a person of faith and then not trust God when he tells us to do something. In Hebrews, we were reminded that when we first studied how they had done before God on the footsteps, the stairway, if you will, into the promised land, in Hebrews 3.17, it says, and with whom was he angry? He being God. Who was he angry? Not for a little while, for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Listen, now zero in here, but to those who what? Did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So who do we want to take as our model? That Israel? Or do we want to take as our model... Father Abraham, and even more so than that, who we have revealed in our book of Hebrews in chapter 5 as one who trusted God by faith. The preeminent example of faith was given to us here. Recall Hebrews chapter 5. Jesus, 
His abiding example of submission to his own father, though he be God, came as a man and lived in submission as a man to his father, laying aside every one of his divine attributes. He walked as a man. Although he was a son, Hebrews 5, 8, Yet he learned what? Obedience. Jesus Christ learned obedience to God the Father. That is why his life is a testimony to us that a man can do it. Not being divine... Though he was, he laid that aside. He walked like you are, flesh and blood. He was tired. He cried. He was tortured by the people around him, if you will, by their constant unfaithfulness. And yet he obeyed God. He learned obedience, listen, by the things which he suffered. Why do I suffer so much, Lord, the Christian asks? Why do you let these things in my life? I thought, Lord, I thought that if I live a good life, if I follow what you say, if I obey you, then no troubles, no trials will come into my life. It'll be great. Lottie Dottie, I'm a Christian. No more trouble for me. Where's that? He never said that. He didn't even give that to his son. He taught his son obedience through suffering and he gives you a gift of suffering at times. Why? So you can learn to do what? Trust him and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's a reason that was written. It's biblical. Jesus suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation. Listen, the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. High trust, fast obedience, low trust, Slow obedience. Slow trust says, well, I need to be convinced that this is the best thing for me. Maybe I need some time to think about this to be sure. Let me tell you, that's already crossing the line. If God said this is what you should do, then trust does it. Knowing that's the best course. See, our problem isn't really we don't know what to do. Our problem isn't really we don't know the will of God, although that's become sort of a habitual thing for Christians when they talk in their common vernacular saying, well, I just don't know what God's doing, but I'm trying to find his will. And I will ask him, well, what are you, what are you doing to find his will? Well, I've been praying about it and I've been waiting for an open door. I've been waiting to feel like which one's the way to go. And, you know, I stand there with sort of a perplexed, troubled look on my head and I'm like, Do you see this? 
What do you mean you're praying and hoping to get zapped with where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, and how you're supposed to live once you get there? This thing is full of it. How can we not know? But by willful ignorance, willfully putting this aside as some sort of addendum to our life, rather than the life's blood of God given to us by grace and then distributed in our age electronically. Every kind of digital thing you can find, you can find the Bible on it. You can find it in papers. You can find it anywhere you want to look. It's there, but hey, I'm just trying to find God's will. This thing's full of commands. You can do a search. Commands. I feel myself becoming slightly preachy. But I want us to trust God. And we trust God by listening to his words. Not waiting for a feeling. And then try to convince me and others that you're doing God's will because you're at peace with it. What does that mean? I've decided to do the wrong thing, and I'm fine with it, and I want you to be fine with it too, and without comment, so I'm going to tell you how much I prayed, and I feel so peaceful about it that you're supposed to join me in this folly. No, I won't do it. Read your Bible. And in that Bible, you even find commands that it's the wise man who gets many counselors for their safety in that. Namely, men, start with your wife. She knows when you're blowing smoke. And if you teach her by welcoming that when she confronts you on it, she will actually fulfill that role. But if you squash her every time she does, she'll quit. You have to find peace some other way. Ladies, you too. Your best counselor is your husband. Let me go on. Trust and obey. You know, sometimes we try to measure if we are of faith by measuring ourselves against those we see around us in the Christian world that we think are people of great faith, right? And I think sometimes we, we measure them a little too long. What I mean by that is, I think we give them sometimes a stature of inf infallibility that they neither can handle nor is it real. We've got Abraham here, 232 times. Let me remind you he's a friend of God. Let me remind you he obeyed God. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now let me remind you what he was like at the start of this thing. Genesis chapter 12 again, verse 10. Abraham's sojourning. And this happens. This is called a circumstance. Verse 10, now there was a famine in the land, the land he was sojourning in that God told him to go to, 
And Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass that when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. See, he knows how to talk to his wife. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. That I may live because of you. He started with the compliment, but there was a catch. You're so beautiful, honey. Now lie for me. When they want you, say you're my sister so that I can live and you can go be taken away. Yeah, this is the same guy. This is the same chapter. Chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, verse 1, Get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Say you're my sister. So how does he become this great example of faith? Because he went out and did it, but on the way, he lies. And not only did he lie this time, he's going to lie again. He's going to lie again about his sister in Genesis 20 to another man who saw his wife. And God had to intercede in both cases, and God kept his promise. But Abraham was afraid. I mark it that Sarah had her own fears, and ladies, only you can really understand what this whole thing was about when God told her she was going to have a child, and she being advanced in age, and her husband even more so. God had announced this to her, and she laughed. And before that, she took God's will into her own hands. In chapter 16, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. There's no God here. There's Sarai and Abram. We're going to get this thing done ourselves. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, and the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So they're waiting. Why do we give up on faith sometimes? Why do we? Because we're tired of waiting, aren't we? We're tired of waiting. And then we try to keep God's promises for God, don't we? Since God's not doing it fast enough, he must need my help. That's shifting your position from a human to a God. God promised, we trust the promise. 
How long has it been since Jesus promised he's coming back? It's over 2,000 years. Is he coming? Will there literally be a kingdom that he said he's going to set up here on earth? Will, will Jerusalem be his capital? Will the temple be there? He's promised it. Do we trust it? Or are we going to use some machinations with the scripture, meaning, well, it must be some sort of spiritual thing because it hasn't happened in this many years, so it must be like this heavenly thing that's sort of ethereal out there, and he's sort of being king, but, you know, we just can't see it. He promised. And, it, and God didn't lie to Abraham. Abraham had the problem. Let me tell you this. Faith in personal performance is doomed to fail. So if you've got your Christian report card that you keep, because you don't let anybody see that just like your parents, never sees the mailbox. But you keep it for yourself. And if you think by putting down enough A's you're going to get in, you're wrong. That's not how God keeps his promises to you. It's useless. Sarai and Abram got together and made a child. And the world in the Fertile Crescent has been at war for every century thereafter. The point. The point is this. We are not able to keep God's promises for him. God keeps his promises for himself. For my name's sake, he says, I will do this. Then God remembered Abraham. What was he remembering? He was remembering his own promise. Not that he'd forgotten, but he wrote it down so that we will know he never forgot. He remembered Abraham. He remembered the promise. And do you think he's forgotten Abraham today? Do you think the promise that has never been fulfilled to Abraham, he somehow isn't able to get it done? Then you don't trust him. If you look at our world today and say the powers that be and Israel that is and all these things are too much for God to surmount, then you need to learn that God can do what we don't think he can do. Genesis 18, Genesis 18 Abram's being told that Sarai is going to have a baby. Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse 14, this is what I'm shooting at, is anything too hard for the Lord? By the way, this is the Lord saying it. At the appointed time, I will return to you. What time is that? I'm not telling you. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. That's a promise. The point is that faith in God overcomes personal failure. Faith in God overcomes personal failure. 
We need God to fulfill his promises. We gain the freedom to fall down and get back up again by faith. Who saved you? Are you a good one? You're the good one so you believed? You're smarter than the others? You reasoned this out and so you have salvation? Or did you find yourself dead in your trespasses and sins, in agony of the looming doom of hell hanging over your head? And did you not cry out, Lord, save me, whatever that means. I believe in you, Jesus. Take me. Save me. I know I deserve your hell and your punishment. Please deliver me. Will we then go back to earning our salvation? From that beautiful point? See, the Christian walk is this, brothers and sisters, and I'm not setting you up to give you a reason to say, I can fail at as many things as I want. I'm here to reassure you why you're still a Christian. Why you're here this Sunday again when there are other things to do. There's even other places to go. There's even other churches that will make it easier for you to be there in your sin without much faith. But I love you too much to do that. Here it is. You're going to fail like Abraham and Sarah at times. But the proof that you are with God and your trust is in him and not yourself is when you get back up and try again. Here's some things I want you to take home with you. Number one, faith trusts that only God can keep his promises. And God never fails. Faith trusts that only God can keep his promises and God never fails to keep his promises. Secondly, say this to yourself. I believe in God, not in me. I believe in God and his son Jesus Christ and not in me. Third, say this to yourself. I believe in what God told me. I believe in what God told me, meaning in his scripture, in the Bible, and not in what I tell myself. We're good at lying to ourselves. Can I please have an amen? We're masters of self-denial. We can tell, oh man, Look in your mirror even after 50 and lie like a rug. I believe in what God told me, not in what I tell myself. And then finally, I am righteous by faith in Him, in Christ, not by faith in me. Then you can fall down and get back up again 
and continue to follow the Lord just like Abram and Sarai until you become Abraham and Sarah. Let's pray. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Strengthen us by the might of your Holy Spirit and through the ministry of your great high priest, Jesus the Christ, who ushers us into the very presence of God that we may find mercy and receive grace for help in time of need, the times of need, Lord, when we doubt and when we fail ourselves and we fail others and moreover we fail you by not obeying. Let us learn obedience from Abram who became Abraham over these next few weeks and from these other saints of old that this little church body would be filled with trusting souls who have God as their friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.